Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace, here with another creator on Spotlight. We're going to be talking about a campaign that's running on Zoop. Uh, as we're recording this, there's about 23 days left. The campaign is for a comic called The Last Children of Andromeda, The Arrival. And I have the writer, Jason Michael Primrose, joining me. Uh, and if that sounds familiar, Lost Children of Andromeda, it's because it's already a very successful sci-fi book series. So, Jason, thanks for joining us. And uh, why don't you give our listeners an idea of what this uh, comic is about? Um, thank you so much. Yeah, uh, super excited to be working on this, um, to have like brought this to life. The Arrival uh, follows Alistair Adams. Uh, who's the main character of the series um, as he witnesses the beginning of the end of the earth. Uh, so there's this kind of catastrophic superstorm that, uh, that, that occurs in 2040 and basically changes the direction of, of humanity. Um, and so what you learn in the arrival is uh what starts the apocalypse and um and that's what the series follows is uh the, we jump forward uh tw 12 years in the novel and that's where you start to see like the impact of of this of this of this origin story with Alistair in it so it's super visual um you know i adapted it from the prologue of the novel um, but this has just so much more context because now we don't, we're just not in only in Alistair's, you know, point of view. Now we're getting to see everything that's happening around him. Um, some other key players that are involved and we get to kind of see and define, um, you know, things that are happening that Alistair can't understand from his perspective in the novel. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you're adding context to what comes later. So that's, what's really so exciting about this, right? So, you know, I, I mentioned it's, it's in that world of the novels, Lost Children of Andromeda. And I'm sure listeners immediately are going to think, oh my God, well, I have to go and read all the books, books first. But like, like you said, this is, this is a prologue. So actually perfect time to jump on. And then if you want more, if you fall in love with the universe, then you have all those books to go and check out as well. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, really, we're actually working on a series of origin stories uh, with with uh, all of the main characters. And um, I really wanted something digestible that was beautiful visually uh, for people to be able to access to get into the world. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other part of this, right? Like you could have easily just gone and written some prologue novels. What made you decide that you wanted to do it uh, in more of a visual form with uh, a comic? I mean, I used to draw comics as a kid, even though I can't draw now. <laughs> but I I remember I wrote novels as a kid and I drew comics as a kid. And, and I've read I read novels and I read comics and I still read comics actually now. Uh, so. I have always been in love with the format and I knew that I would eventually like brave that medium uh, for storytelling. I just didn't know like when and how and what story it would be. 
but I don't know. It just made sense. I, I've really had the idea for a while. I just held off on um, creating comics. I think as an author, like as someone who spent more time writing novels, there was a part of me that felt like I would be selling out if I switched to comics. Um, and maybe it was just like my own personal, I love prose mm-hmm. mentality. Um, but it was so fun. It was so fun and so different and just like a different collaborative process and just getting to be a director, but in a very different sense, because now you're really, really visualizing, you know, angles and um, scenes and framing and all of that. And it's, it's, it's just totally, it's, it's very exhilarating. It's totally different. And just yeah. as, yeah, just as hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely ch- challenges uh, flexing those creative muscles, different creative muscles, obviously, than prose. But that that's the thing, like um, writing prose, writing a novel, it, it is so solitary, you know, other than feedback from early readers or your editor, um, you know, and you do have, you know, assuming that you're not writing and drawing it yourself. Uh, when you're working on a comic, there is that back and forth. You also have an editor, you have, a, a, you know, at times a letterer, color artist. So it is a little bit more of the sum of the parts and you're not necessarily doing all the heavy lifting, but were there any challenges as you undertook this and got it going that you didn't expect in the uh, comic creating process? Mm, um, yes. It's actually one of my favorite ones to talk about, especially for anyone who's, thinking of creating their own comic or, or anything like that, or, or sh- shifting, you know, mm-hmm. uh, mediums, uh, that only one thing can happen at a time in each panel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my early drafts, I had a habit of writing multiple actions for a character within one scene or one, um, one panel. And, um, it's kind of like uh, if you were to think about a film uh, and there's a sequence of things that a character does, you would have to pick the most important freeze frame of that sequence mm-hmm. to be what shows up on the panel. So it can't be all the things. They can't, you know, uh, lift their hand and wave. You basically catch the wave mm-hmm. and then so you miss all the other stuff. Um, so that was fun to go through, but challenging to isolate, like what moment is most important here? Um, wh- how do we get the characters there? Right. Like frame to frame, uh, you know, what liberty do I have when it comes to time jumping, moving forward and backward, you know, um, along the timeline and the motion and all that stuff. So that was a challenge and that's all pacing, you know? So if we see this and then what's the next thing we see, does it have to be a progression of what we just saw or can it be that we're, we're moving on now that we've kind of captured that, that moment. So, um, you know, I tried to follow the rule of a cliffhanger on the, you know, bottom right, um, corner to entice people to turn the page. So there were those were the types of challenges that I didn't have when I was writing novels. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's so interesting because so often I, I say when we're reviewing books, especially from people that, who, who haven't done a lot of work in comics. Yeah. Pacing is the the toughest thing to get right. You can kind of tell when somebody hasn't, doesn't have a lot of experience and then as they move on, you you can see it improve. So that's, that's interesting. The other aspect that you kind of touched on that I want to talk about, because I was going to bring this up anyway, being that you have the successful novel series that already has a fan base and a, and a community, right? So it's different what I as a reader need to bring, right? Like if I'm reading one of your prose books, what I have to bring to it is my imagination, the ability to visualize from the text and, you know, create the world and the characters in my mind. Uh, it's, and you, but the story can be a little more spoon fed, right? Because it's just text and you don't have to just capture one image to really convey what's happening in a scene. It's kind of the opposite when I'm a reader and I'm coming to the comic because so much of the comic and the action happens in the gutters, you know, that the space between the panels. And that's what I need to bring my imagination to fill in that part rather than just all I have to bring is visual. You ever, have you thought about that? Are you nervous about that? You know, anybody that's enjoyed the novels is going to have to kind of, it's not spoon fed. They've got to really do kind of different work as, as the reader, or you just figured that, if people are fans of comics, you know, you mentioned you yourself are, you kind of get it, right? You know, I don't think I ever thought about that. I read Words for Pictures by Brian Bendis before mm-hmm. I started writing, and that was so helpful. Um, but I don't know that that's ever been mentioned. And knowing that now, I probably will write a little bit differently in the future. I think I think that both in my novels and and in this in the comic, I try to support the reader's knowledge. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot that you don't see in both instances, and but at the same time, I think here. Here you get to see things happen that reappear later that I think helps you after you finish the book, go back, you read it again. That's the one thing I do like about comics. It's quick. Mm -hmm. So when you finish reading, you can really go back and like read it again if you want to catch the stuff that you feel like you might have missed. And you're like, wait a minute. Oh, oh, this happened on page three. Okay. Okay. So who's this? And then the curiosity. It's just a much faster get you know, to that uh, unraveling of the world or the the desire to dig deeper. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I wasn't aware of it, but I think it can be fun, a, a different kind of fun in this instance, because, yeah, you're. And, I, and also as a writer, too, um, there was a whole sequence I had planned that would have gone in the story that showed the other side of what was happening. And I decided to cut it out because it would have made the book too long. Um, that I may use that in the, in the, in that character's origin story as like mm-hmm. a juxtaposition against, you know, w- what we see in this book. But I realized that I needed to let other people, you know, I, I needed to let that be like kind of a mystery, like what was actually happening. So, um, that's an interesting notion. I didn't, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. It's uh, cause I read, you know, I read novels 
I read comics, you know, we talk about as a creator, you're exercising different creative muscles. As a reader, I'm exercising different, different muscles too. You know, same thing if I'm watching something that's live action, you know, that's a little different as, as well. And then the other part is the connection, right? Which is what I hear from so many creators that they love what they do and establishing a community and what have you, you know, you, you are through your work connecting to other people around the world and, and everybody, every individual that reads your work is going to come at it in a little bit different way because we are, we all have unique life experiences, right? So what do I bring to it? How do, which character do I relate to? Which character do I identify with? So, you know, we mentioned the successful novel series, uh, are there a lot of people uh, in your fan base that are really excited that we're going back here? We're getting the, the origin. We're going to be seeing things that are going to add context. Maybe they read the comic and then they go back and reread the, the novels because now they have more context for what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I yeah. People are really excited. Um, I think there are also other characters that people are excited to see origin stories for. Mm -hmm. um, the book is multi-character POV. So there are some other characters too that people are like, wait, this person's next. You know, I'm very excited. So I think, um, yeah, I think that this will spark like a whole new kind of, well, it'll, I think it'll bring in new, new enthusiasts. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the, the the folks that really love the novel are very excited. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more uh, about the story, both in terms of what science fiction can do. So often I talk to people that that either write comics that are focused on science fiction or um, have written, you know, prose novels that focus on sci-fi. It's such a rich, it's probably my favorite genre. It's such a rich genre because you can go like near future where it's almost possible and explore things or you can go, you know, far out and you can have the, you know, kind of antiseptic, really advanced clean future, but you can go post-apocalyptic. What do you think it is about the genre um, that lends itself to such a rich tapestry uh, for writing stories? I mean, Hmm. Maybe it's the plausibility. I mean, when I think about like some of my favorite sci-fi films, like Interstellar felt very accessible. Maybe it was the origin setting, you know, mm -hmm. like it's it's someplace super relatable, you know, rural. Uh, it's a family. It feels like I could know those people, you know. Um, and then I think about things like Dune, which is like so off the charts or Blade Runner, or um, I loved The Expanse. I read um, Leviathan Wakes, which was, I thought was really, I never watched the show, but that book was insane. Mm -hmm. And the way they talked, uh, the way that um, the authors talked about, uh, you know, uh, space travel and and what would happen to your physiology living on different uh, planets with different gravity uh, or in, you know, in, in uh, space stations, you know, I thought that that was. Uh, I think that what what lends itself is the. Yeah, I, I think it really is the plausibility. I mean, when you understand how things are working and you start to predict how the acceleration of how those things work will play out, I think that's really fascinating. So for example, in The Expanse, we're really just talking about humans' natural desire to con conquer, mm -hmm. right? 
so now we've taken over parts of the galaxy. Our races have continued to evolve to the point where they're physically different. And we're seeing the result of this desire for control over the solar system, which is the same as the desire for control over Earth. Um, so you can predict that. Uh, for for this story, it's about what we've what we've contributed to the death of the planet, and how those consequences really start to ramp up over the coming years. But the scary part about that is some of the stuff that I thought would take decades to happen is happening now. Um, New York, Death Valley, uh, India. Um, the big earthquake that happened in um, Syria, I think it was Syria, no, Turkey, <clears throat> um, the hurricanes in LA, you know, the the kind of barrage of hurricanes that could come across the, the Gulf. So I, I'd written about these, but I was thinking they would happen like in 2030, late mm-hmm. 2030s. And so that was my lens through which like what happens if we don't do anything about what's what's going on right now and that's what 2050z is um so yeah i won't spoil anything because there is a lot more in it but you know when you start bringing in um you know other elements like aliens you know space travel time travel um technology that requires you to stretch your imagination beyond what you know what what we know is physically possible uh i think that's just speculation on what humanity is capable of uh in the future or what's you know what's out there um already yeah, I mean, if i think it hearing you describe it a couple of things come to mind it, it it taps into that innate curiosity we have as humans right and the fact that we're so finite we're you know relatively speaking and versus the age of the universe we're here for such a short period of time and so yeah what's it going to be like in the future what's it going to be like when i'm not here i'm not going to be alive to experience it let me experience it through some great storytelling some great sci-fi to imagine what it might what it might be like right i mean that's just so fun yeah exactly <laughs> yeah exactly i love uh that. talk a little bit about um getting back to the the process of creating it, your artists on the book and what it was like designing this world. I mean, obviously having, you know, written the novels that come later in the timeline, you had an idea of what this world looked like, what these characters look like and what have you. So uh, it must've been a little bit of a different process than somebody coming in and creating the world for the first time. Cause you had a, you know, an idea already, what do these characters look like? What does this world look like? Um, so how much back and forth was there? How much freedom did the artists have to kind of um, work on character design and that sort of thing? Uh, well, actually, um, the novel has images in it. So I do have quite a bit of environmental and character reference photos mm-hmm. for um, but those were all done in a way that I would say doesn't lend itself to the comic medium. Um, and so what I did for the artist was I built a brief and I gave them a, I gave them reference photos 
and environment photos. We also had some of the technology, uh, like like the car that they're in when they're uh, running. Um, all of that had been conceptualized, uh, some of it even in 3D. So for this particular book, there was a lot of material to leverage um, to draw. Uh, so really, I would say the artist's freedom was in their their version of the characters because the version of Alistair, the style of the drawings is very different from what you see in the novel. Um, and, I, and I really, really, really enjoyed what he did with it. Um, I think he did a really great job. Uh, he, he got to do things like, you know, again, when we see the original story, we really only see it from Alistair's perspective. So, you know, getting to actually see what a, what a small town would look like in, you know, uh, 17 years, um, this kind of mix between the future and the past, uh, we got to like, you know, take real photos of Cumberland Falls and build around that. So what, what buildings stay and what buildings have been added? Uh, so he got to do things like that, um, really visualizing like the landscape, um, you know, he built the, the power plant, um, he could fully conceptualize the power plant, which was like a very famous, uh, landmark in the universe because it's the site of, you know, this, all the things that, that are happening, uh, where Alistair's dad is working. So, uh, that, that power plant, gosh, I've been writing about that power plant for decades because, <laughs> It, it, it's it's so pivotal to um you know the the rest of the story mm -hmm. so to really see it come to life and see it from the from the top and the sides and there's some concept art in the in the in the story as well actually um at the end oh it's not in this one there's some concept art at the end um of, of the story that you get to see it so he had a lot of freedom and he decided you know, we're going to, we're going to shoot it from this angle and we'll do it this way. And, and the paneling, the way he did the panels is, was so cool. I, I love dynamic, you know, paneling style. So that was, that was one of my, you know, there's just, yeah, I really enjoyed um, the way he did that. Yeah. You, everybody go check out, uh, there's a link in the show notes, obviously to the, uh, Zoop campaign, go and check out, uh, Alexis's or Alexis Vasquez is the artist. Yeah. He does a lot of, um, kind of splash pages, but then there's insets, you know, this is not your, it's not Watchmen. It's not a nine panel grid, uh, very dynamic page layouts. I, I enjoy that as well. You know, not every panel is a, is a rectangle or a square, you know, they're oddly shaped and yeah, you have the insets and you have the, impactful uh uh splash pages and, and big images so yeah it lends itself to kind of the cinematic feel of the the world that you've uh created so uh there are quite a few rewards on the campaign everybody so again i uh, encourage you to go to the uh, page and check it out there's about 20 days left as we're recording this uh are there any particular rewards that you want to mention uh, jason that you are, are really excited about that people seem to be responding to um, I feel like the bundle is, well, people are liking the, like the characters, like getting characters drawn in their likeness and being mm -hmm. extra or being, being kind of a part of the universe. 
Um, so I, th- I thought that that's really funny. Um, I think the, the bundles have been pretty popular because uh, because there's three different covers. There's the cane and white cover, which is black and white. And Ian Sebastian, who's an up and comer, he did a beautiful color cover. The one that you see as the main hero for the campaign. And then there's the kind of movie poster style cover, which is this one with the with like, it's kind of a photorealistic depiction of the arrival. Um with the power plant like at the bottom and this beam of light shooting into the sky and this is giant storm kind of swirling around it all. Um, so that one seems to be popular. I think with, with comics, I, I knew the kind of behavior of collecting covers mm-hmm. and I know Kane and white is a, is a pop popular, a popular yeah, cover. Fantastic. Yeah. He's, uh, he's great. And then so, the other cover just like looks cool, you know? So yeah. I kind of wanted to do that. Yeah. So uh, again, go check out the campaign, everybody. Like Jason said, there's a chance to, which I've never seen anybody do. So often we see, yeah, get yourself drawn in, but there's also uh, an option to have a speaking part. And then there's another option where you can be sort of a a bigger character, have, you know, more impact on the story. So that's, uh, that's fantastic. Uh, So I'll remind everybody, as I always do, when we talk about these creator owned uh, crowdfunded campaigns, that Maybe this sounds right up your alley, right? You would love to be able to support it, read it, check it out, but you know, times are tight, times are tough, and you just don't have the means right now. The other way, uh, other than joining the, the campaign and the community and pledging, the other way you can help out Jason and Alexis and the rest of the creative team is to share it. Share it on social media. There's retailer bundles, bundles so let your LCS know, let your local comic shop know. Maybe they want to stock it, maybe have some copies for the shelf and what have you. Just spread the word so anybody who uh, wants to discover this world, or maybe they've read the novels but aren't aware that the comic is out there, we got to spread the word and make sure we get as many eyes on this thing as possible to, to, uh, to bring it to life. So. Uh, Jason, it's been fantastic chatting with you uh, about this. As we're winding down here, is there anything else you want our uh, listeners to know? Um, this is one of many. It's going to be an anthology of origin stories uh, that will eventually become kind of a trade paperback or a hardcover um, that I that I that I'm looking forward to. So there's seven heroes, seven villains, and seven kind of in between characters, and each one will have their own uh, mini story to lead you into the series. Um, so that's what I'm working on now for the next, you know, however long, and then I'll start writing the novels after that. Cool. Uh, yeah. So different mediums for the story. Again, the rich uh, genre of sci-fi definitely lends itself to this. So, uh, if you want to jump on, you've maybe you've, n- you've never even heard of, uh, the lost children of Andromeda. This is your chance to jump in sort of at the beginning, uh, and learn, uh, all about Alistair Adams and, you know, it'll lead you into the novels. Then you can dip back into the other origin stories. Uh, it's really a fantastic and rich, fully realized world that Jason has created. So do yourself a favor, go to the link in the show notes and uh, and check it out. So uh, Jason, again, thanks so much for taking the time. It's been really fun chatting and uh, best of luck with the campaign. Thank you. Appreciate it. And to all you yeah. listeners, yeah, we want to thank you as well for joining us. Uh, we appreciate the support as always, and we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. 
Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.